What a privilege it is to uh, be with you all this morning. And um, while I get my notes set up here, I want to just share with you a little bit um, before I bring to you God's word uh, about our family. Uh, I have four children and my wife, Crystal, our four children, PJ, Calvin, Adele, and Elizabeth, are all here uh, this morning, so you can see them out and about. Uh, Crystal and I have been missionaries uh, with MTW since 2003. Uh, We spent a period of time in Bangkok, uh, Thailand, uh, helping to plant a church there. Um, And most recently, we've moved to southern Thailand to begin church planting in southern Thailand. Uh, Thailand is uh, predominantly a Buddhist nation, It's said to be Thais, to be Buddhist. Um, Less than 1% of the people in Thailand uh, have a relationship with Christ. In southern Thailand, it's even, the statistics are even uh, more shocking. 0.1% to 0% of the people in southern Thailand uh, know Christ. And so our our family um, felt God's calling uh, to southern Thailand And we've moved down there about a year and a half ago to uh, see uh, churches being planted. And uh, this, what I'm sharing with you right now, actually goes right along with Psalm 139. um, Because it is is a challenge. Um, As we all know, uh, sharing your faith can be challenging. And many times we experience struggles, and it is challenging. And it is challenging in southern Thailand. Uh, but the Lord is with us, and we are seeing him at work. And so um, after the service today, if you want to talk with us more, you can. And one of the ways that God uses his people is through prayer. And I would love uh, for you all to be praying for us. And one way you can do that is to pick up our prayer card and uh, remember to pray for us uh, daily, weekly, monthly. If you would turn to your Bibles, uh, to Psalm 139. One reason that I changed what sermon I was going to do this morning is because um, growing up, Psalm 139 was was such a a dear psalm to me. Uh, Going through troubled times, difficult times, and as we moved to Thailand as missionaries, Um, this psalm became even more real to me. And so I wanted to share it with you all today. Um, I wanted you to be encouraged uh, by God's word from Psalm 139. And I wanted you to to see uh, how uh, he is with us and how he comforts us. Let me read to you Psalm 139. To the choir master, a psalm of David. O Lord, you have searched me and know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit? 
or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. For you formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them! If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake, and I am still with you. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God! O men of blood, depart from me! They speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me. And lead me in the way of everlasting. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I do pray this morning that your word would be ever real in our lives. God, I pray that you would give us all faith to believe in your word, to believe in you. God, I pray that those of us who are struggling, that you would encourage us, those who are lacking in faith, that you would strengthen our faith, and God, that we would see you as you are. Lord, I pray that if there is anything that I say this morning that is untrue to your word, that you would give people here dull ears to hear. Lord, open our ears to hear your truth. In Christ's name, amen. As I said a moment ago, one of the reasons I wanted to share with you from Psalm 139 is as I look back over my life, uh, this psalm has been very dear to me. And as I grow in my faith in the Lord, this psalm becomes even more true to me. And I don't know about you, but I know that, you know, this is a familiar psalm to many people, but I need to be reminded of it often because my heart is calloused, and my ears are dull, and my mind is feeble, and I forget uh, who God is. And I need to be reminded 
of him daily. And in Thailand, uh, even more, I, needed to be I need to be reminded of who he is and what he does uh, for his children. This psalm, Psalm 139, as I was studying it uh, and preparing for the sermon, I realized how difficult this psalm actually is to, to simply break down into three points uh, for you this morning. And so I, I'm not going to attempt that. Uh, actually, I'm just going to lead us uh, verse by verse uh, through the psalm. There's a, a section in the psalm halfway through that, you'll, that we read that is rather difficult to understand, and, and we will talk about that when we get to it. Uh, but without uh, dragging this on anymore, let me begin with you, uh, Psalm 139, at verse 1. David says, O Lord, you have searched me, and you know me. David is setting up the psalm to uh, take the rest of the psalm and describe to us and show us who God is. David says, you know when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. It's amazing how, as we're reading this, that David says how God knows him. When David is resting, this actually uh, can refer to him sleeping. Isn't it absolutely amazing that when you are sleeping and you aren't consciously uh, thinking of God, that he knows you and he knows your thoughts. God knows our thoughts, both good and bad. Do you ever feel as though you have sinned and you cannot come before the Lord because of your sin that weighs on you? Let me tell you that God already knows that. He already knows your thoughts. For me, many times, and I probably most of the time, most of my sin is actually my thoughts. Uh, as we confessed our sins this morning uh, through the Ten Commandments, uh, we were reminded of how we sin in our thoughts. God knows those thoughts. And many times we deceive ourselves by telling ourselves that we can't come before the Lord because of our sin. When you were young, did you ever do something foolish, uh, something sinful, and you knew that you were caught, and that you were going to have to go and tell your father what you had done? I had many of those times growing up. And I remember thinking before I had to go and tell my father what I had done, because I knew he was going to find out anyways, so I thought I would just go and talk to him first. But I remember thinking just the anxiety uh, that I felt inside and the fear that I felt inside. I'm so thankful that our Heavenly Father is not like our earthly fathers, because he already knows all of our thoughts. He knows already all of the anxiety that we are feeling. And he wants us to come to him. 
And as I think about going before our Heavenly Father, I'm so greatly encouraged knowing that He knows all my thoughts before they are already on my tongue. And so everything that I've already done, the sins that I've committed, He's not surprised by them. He already knows them. In verse 3, You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all of my ways. As I read uh, verse 3, I'm reminded of other psalms that David has written that illustrate even more uh, verse 3, such as Psalm 23, where David writes, He leads me besides quiet water. He restores my soul. Not only does God lead us, but he leads us to rest I'm reminded here also of Matthew 11, where Christ tells us, Come unto me, all ye who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. What does this mean when we come to Christ and he gives us rest? Christ gives us spiritual rest. Because we all know that it is difficult, is it not, as Christians? We all have difficult times. But Christ is telling us that he gives us rest. He gives us spiritual rest from our sin. Our sin causes a yoke. As Matthew 11 says, Christ says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. You see, Christ's yoke is the cross because we have been forgiven of our sins. And he gives us spiritual rest. In verse 4, Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. The Thai language is so difficult. Some people are so much smarter than I am, and they just pick it up like that. Uh, But it is so difficult for me. And as I think of of the years of being in Thailand and and how I I still struggle with the language, when I read the psalm, and and I'm encouraged from verse 4 because I realize that as I struggle to, to speak these Thai words, God knows what I'm trying to communicate. And even more, when I'm trying to teach the Bible in Thai, when I'm trying to share the gospel and Thai. God knows those words that I'm trying to, to speak. And in fact, this is for all of us. God knows all of our words. And he knows that when you are trying to share the gospel with somebody, that he, he, he knows those words and he brings those words to your tongue. And he speaks his gospel through you. He knows all of our thoughts. A few weeks ago, not too long ago, I um, went before our presbytery for the last time, hopefully, um, to, for my final ordination exams. And I was sitting there, and um, I was actually dwelling on Psalm 139 before I went up. And on this verse, and what peace I had knowing that God knows my thoughts, 
and he knows my words before they are even on my tongue. And the great uh, peace that I had knowing that as I went and stood up and was examined before these, these men, that God knew my words before they were on my tongue. Verse 5, God says, You hem me in, behind and before, you lay your hand upon me. The picture we have here is of God holding on to us, that he will not let us go. A great way of, of thinking about this is when you look at a spider, the simple insect, the spider, when it catches its prey and it wraps it in its web, once a spider has done that to an insect, there's no way that insect is going to get away. God is far greater than any spider, and he's not going to let us go. When I think of my children and the times, especially in Thailand, if you ever go to Thailand, you'll see the, the, the traffic and the cars and the motorcycles is absolutely crazy. And there have been more than one occasion where my child is about to step out onto the road as a car or motorcycle is coming and I grab onto their hand or their arm so they can't go any further, so they can't walk out into danger. And I know you've had these same experiences yourself. God is, is like that. He holds onto us and he's not going to let go of us. And David says, have you, in, in verse 6, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. As I just shared with you from verse 5 about God holding on to us, that he has laid his hand upon us. Why? Why does God hold on to us? Have you ever asked that question? It is simple. Because he loves us. And that is what David is describing here. God's love for us. And that is why it is so wonderful and David says he can't, he can't comprehend it. He doesn't understand why God has chosen to love him, but he has. Did you know that God rejoices over you? In Zephaniah 3.17, Zephaniah says, The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but he will rejoice over you with singing. I'm so greatly encouraged by the words of, of David here and of Zephaniah, of the Lord who rejoices over us, that he loves us. And verse 7. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. 
David is asking the question here, where can we go from the Lord? Where can we go that he is not with us? God is with us when we encounter good times, and he is with us during the most difficult times in our lives. In Thailand, we have the great joy of seeing Thai people, seeing their lives changed by the gospel. And God is there in those people. He is there in those wonderful moments. God is here as you see people's lives being changed by the gospel. God is also with you in those most difficult, difficult times. A couple years ago, as we returned to Thailand after seminary, we had only been in Thailand for about three weeks during December. And I came down with a disease called dengue fever. Those of you who don't know what dengue fever is, it's kind of like malaria. It's carried by mosquitoes. The mosquito bites you and it, uh, the infection breaks down your platelets in your blood. And so eventually, uh, you begin bleeding internally, and then you die. Uh, many, many people around the world die of dengue fever. Well, I got dengue fever, um, and what's amazing is that we had been in Thailand already for four years, and I'd never gotten this disease, and all of a sudden, uh, we're back for just three weeks, and, and I get dengue fever. Well, um, the way it's spread, I said through mosquitoes, but a mosquito will bite somebody who already has it and then give it to somebody else. Well, I gave it to my wife, Crystal. Um, she got dengue fever. And I ended up in the hospital. Um, and Crystal, bless her heart, uh, she was not in the hospital because we have four children. And who was going to take care of our kids? And I remember uh, that perhaps was one of the darkest times for me uh, as a missionary was laying in the hospital alone. I felt alone, but God was there with me. There are many times in our Christian walk when we feel alone. Or how about the times when you just feel spiritually dry, as though God is not with you anymore? And it's those kinds of times where we come to Psalm 139 and we're reminded that although we don't have that feeling of God being with us, he is with us. We have the promise of his holy word that he is with us. There are other times, as I said, about difficult times, perhaps some of the most difficult times in a Christian's life is our struggles with sin and temptation. When you struggle with sin and temptation, God is there with you. In fact, uh, I am reminded um, of Romans 8, 26 through 29 that says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints 
according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And I read those verses because I want you to realize that when you are struggling with sin, when you are struggling with temptation, that God is there with you. And not only is he there with you, but he, the Spirit, is interceding on our behalf. And we are told in verse 29 of of Romans 8 that uh, the Spirit is there interceding on our behalf and that we are being conformed to the image of Christ. And if we are being conformed to the image of Christ, of his Son, then we are being pulled out of the darkness that we are in. Let's continue on to verse 9. David writes, verse 9 through 10, If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. The sea that we uh, in scripture many times is, is a metaphor for chaos, uh, a metaphor for um, unknown, for difficulty. If you've ever been to Thailand, uh, you will see many, many chaotic things, such as the way that people drive. And just a side note here, uh, Thailand is, is ranked number two in the world for roadside fatalities. It is very, very chaotic. And it is enough to make any person worry when you get on the road. But honestly, as believers, we don't have to worry because God is there in our midst. That he is there in what we perceive as chaos. It is not chaotic to him. When I think of chaos, my attention is often turned to the future because it is unknown to me. But it is not unknown to God. God's hand will direct you. God's hand directs us as his people. Not only is God leading us with one hand, but he is holding on to us with the other with his right hand. And so he is leading us with one hand and holding on to us with the other. In verse 11, if I say, surely the darkness will cover me, shall cover me, and the light about me become night. Verse 12, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day. For darkness is as light with you. Did you know that when Christ returns, that there will be no need anymore of the sun? That the radiance of Christ will be light? And so we don't need the sun? And so when 
I read verse 12 that even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day. So know that when you walk through dark places in your life, it is not dark to Christ. It is bright because Christ shines forth. In verse 13, For you formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. God knows us, as verse 13 tells us. And in verse 14, he doesn't just know us, but he has created us. And David captures it so well here of how he describes that God has made us fearfully and wonderfully. In verse 15, My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Do you think that a God who fearfully and wonderfully made you, intricately formed your body, that he would leave you? that he would leave you to destruction, that he would leave you in darkness? Absolutely not. Verse 16, Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. Not only did God form us, but he set out our days before us. Everything we go through, God is already aware of. He's already set that into motion, and he is already there. And you know what else? God has experienced these things himself and his son, Jesus Christ. And so as you walk in your Christian life and you experience different struggles or joys, you, have great, you can have great comfort knowing that Christ has experienced these same things himself already. Verses 17 through 18. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them! If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake, and I am... I am still with you. We could never number the ways that God is with us or how he has gone before us and continues to go before us. Even if we, even when we dwell on his goodness, we cannot comprehend it or even begin to count it. Verses 19 through 24. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. O men of blood, depart from me. They speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them. With complete hatred, I count them my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see 
if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way of everlasting. In verse 19 uh, through 22, we see this break that I mentioned earlier in the sermon. And many scholars actually say that they believe this is the beginning of a, of a different psalm. Um, but I, I don't take that approach. I believe this is just one psalm, uh, and, and here's why. Uh, David uh, is talking about thoughts and dwelling on the goodness of the Lord in verses 17 through 18, as we just read. Uh, and thus, in verses 19 through 24, David is showing that those other people uh, are also thinking about the Lord, but their thoughts of the Lord are malicious, and they, they despise the Lord. They actually, these people that David is referring to, hate the Lord. And I also want you to notice that as David describes these other people, that he never says that um, he will destroy these people. Um, but rather, he leaves that up to the Lord to make that decision. If the Lord chooses to destroy them or not, in verse 19. See, I think there is such a contrast in this section because David has just listed how wonderful God is, and yet people, there are people out there who think just the opposite. In fact, most of the people in Thailand fall into this category. I said earlier that only 0.1% of the people in southern Thailand have a relationship with Christ. And they do not know God as David knew God or as we know God. And ultimately, that is why our family is in Thailand. It's because we want to see people stop hating God and praising God as we praise him this morning. And you know something else? Why is it that David can know God the way he does? Why is it that David can describe how God is with him wherever he goes, either into the, the heavens or into Sheol? How is it that David can describe that God knows every thought, every word before it is on his tongue? How can he say these things? How does he know these things? David could not say these things or know these things about God if it had not been for Christ. Christ, who reconciled us to God. And the same reason David was able to know who God is through Christ is the same reason that we are able to know God. It's because of Christ. Christ reconciled us to himself and he went through more suffering than we could ever imagine or will ever know. So when David speaks of God being with him and knowing him, God knows him because God has been there himself. My prayer this morning for all of us is that this psalm, would be a great encouragement to us. 
not only those who are struggling with sin or temptation, or those who feel that you are in an area of darkness in your life, but it would also be an encouragement for those who are walking in light because God is with us. And he is with us because of Christ Jesus. Let God's word um, speak in our hearts this morning and be an encouragement for all of us today. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, we do thank you for what you have done for us on the cross. Because of Christ reconciling us to yourself, we are able to know you as David knew you. And because of Christ, we are not alone. No matter how dark or difficult anything or any situation that we are in, we know that you are with us. We thank you, Lord, for your great, great love for us. And Father, as David also shared about the, the many people that hate you, O Lord, that speak ill about you, God, I pray that you would work in our hearts to love our enemies, to love those who hate you, O Lord that we would have just a great desire to see them come to know you as their Lord and Savior and to worship you. God, I pray for Trinity here for this church. I pray that you would strengthen them, this congregation, that they would be a beacon of light and the darkness, Lord. And that you would give each member here strength and encouragement through Christ. We thank you now for the many, many, many ways, more than we could count or imagine, that you take care of us. In Christ's name, amen.